Hello, friends. It's good to see you. I'm really happy you guys are here. It's like every, I was, I was kind of seeing kind of everyone here. I was like, oh, I love these people. Like everyone in here is like, yes. Uh, so it's going to be great. So thank you for being here. I'm excited uh, for us. Um, if I if I start out by by saying um, like you know hey everyone you know Christmas is coming it's time for to prepare for something big you know it, 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 it's time to prepare for something big you know God has something big in store for us uh, and it would be easy to hear that because we're all we're all very prepared to hear something big to to be impacted by something big we all have been been taught as kids kids, that's, that we are going to be something big, um, that we have big plans, that God has a big story, that there are big things ahead of us. And so, so it's very easy for us to accept the idea that something big is going to happen this Christmas season, because that's kind of, you know, the thing that, that Christmas kind of embodies is bigness. Bigness. I remember being 12 and experiencing Christmas as a 12-year-old and the hope that it embodied for me. As a 12-year-old, things were horrible. Um, in school, I was being bullied a lot. Um, I was being picked on because I had a speech impediment. Um, I, I, was, I didn't get along with my parents at home because I didn't know who I was and they didn't understand me and, you know, all that stuff that happens at the age of 12. It was just bad news. And, and Christmas was coming. And when Christmas comes, it's like this essence of hope is at hand. And, um, and, and so I remember Christmas coming at the age of 12 and it was the same year that the power glove was about to come out for the NES. Who here remembers the power glove? Who had a power glove? That's right. Nobody got the power glove for Christmas. And so, so the power glove is this video game thing you'd put on your hand and you could control and play video games without touching anything. And I remember this idea of the power glove and, 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 and you play all these games and drive cars and, and do punch out. And I remember thinking, if I just had the power glove for Christmas, everything would be okay. It would be like I'd beat all the video games and my parents would be happy with me. I wouldn't be bullied at school. My speech impediment would go away if I just had this glove to put on my hand. Well, it was too expensive. And my parents didn't buy me the power glove for Christmas. And I was crushed. I was crushed because the buildup for it, the buildup and all the hope I had for it. And I, I showed my parents, here's how you buy it. Here's where it is. If you don't know, here's my friend who you can talk to. And they had one, and the power glove, power glove. And, and we went through all of our presents and it wasn't there. And I thought they were saving it up to the end, but it wasn't there. But they caught, do you know what I mean? It was one of those like disappointment. But whenever I think about that Christmas, I don't think about the disappointment that I felt. I remember the hope and the anticipation that I felt. Like that's, that was something that I held on to is this feeling of it's possible it's going to happen. It's possible that things aren't going to be as bad. It's possible that this gift will come. It's possible something big is at hand that's going to overthrow how horrible everything is. And so whenever I think about Christmas, 
Christmas today as a parent, as someone who is 35 years old, I try to create the, the, the image and, 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 and the perspective of hope for my kids. And I talk to my kids about Christmas of here's how Christmas is. And I paint this picture for them of this Christmas that I thought I had, but I didn't actually ever have. Like they were not as perfect as I want to create them to be. Like this year, Christmas is going to be flawless. Our family won't fight and, and the, the, um, the food will cook itself and clean up itself and the candles and the music and yes, but that never happens and it never will. But it's the hope and it's the dreaming of Christmas. It's, it's recapturing the Christmas that you thought you had, you know, as a child. So we are in a sermon series. We're kicking it off tonight titled, As a Child, uh, Reclaiming the Christmas that you thought you had. And, and, and this is a very profound idea, the as a child idea, because instead of saying we are going to prepare ourselves for something big, something big is at hand because you don't have to be prepared for something big. Something big just happens and we are already set for it. Today and, and for the series to come, we are preparing you for something very small. We're preparing you for something small because we're already prepared for something big. But our hearts need to be prepared for smallness. And it's a great place to begin our talk about smallness as far as the birth of Christ. Because God himself chose the best plan to save the entire planet whenever it is turned upside down by changing it in a small, silent way. And that is brilliant for us who find ourselves in the same situation of how do we save our planet? How do we make sense of what is going on? How do we respond? How, how do I have a heartbeat for other people when I have no idea how to bring hope? And it starts out with something small. So today, um, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah and we will be Again, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 9. And it'll be up here on the screen. And we as a congregation are going to do this together. And have some power behind it. Have some oomph behind it. This passage is awesome. And it should have some power behind it. So here we go. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever." This is a passage that was spoken and prophesied 580 years before Christ. 580 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah spoke these things. For unto us, as if it already happened, unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is given. And the government will be on the shoulders of this child. 
you know? It's brilliant. It's this brilliant thing. And, and, and we always talk about whenever Jesus came, they didn't expect Jesus. They expected a king, a powerful prince. But the passage said it's going to be a child. This is the passage that, that that points to the Messiah, that the Hebrew people would hold on to. There will be a child that will be born, that will be given by God himself. And on this child, the whole earth will be on his shoulders. And there will be no end to the grace and the hope and the peace that he brings. Furthermore, this passage, every Jewish person knew it, including Mary. <laughs> Mary, who first of all, as we are on the topic as a child, is probably, people say she's only 12 years old. And so 12 years old, when she is told by the angel Gabriel, surprise, you're pregnant, she knew this passage. She knew this passage. God chose a child to bear him. Okay, hold on, I'm crying. Um, God chose a child to bear him, to be pregnant with him. God chose a child to be pregnant with God. That's a big thought, and that's a big truth, and that is a big concept. And she knew this passage. A child was coming, a child which would hold the government on his shoulders. And Mary was pregnant with God. You could go home from this at this point and that's enough to satisfy you forever. That a human being was pregnant with God. That God himself, nine months in a human's belly, growing, growing within Mary, changing her insides and making it obvious on the outside that she was pregnant with God. The questions that could come of this is brilliant. The things you could ask, what would it be like to have God living inside of you? What would it be like to have God dwelling inside of you, the physical presence of God living inside of you. Mary was pregnant with God. Mary gave birth to salvation. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, come on. Like, like, these are big things. If you're a poet at all, you know, play with me for a little bit. You know, she gave birth to someone who brought hope. She gave birth to God on earth. What would that be like? She gave birth to God in a stable on hay. There were cows there and sheep. It was no big deal. It was small. God was born in hay. You were born in a hospital. Your birth was better than Jesus's. He was preparing himself for something small whenever he chose someone small to bear him. Mary was pregnant with God. I want to say that like 5,000 times and just go home. Mary was pregnant with God. 
Mary's pregnant with God. God was dwelling in Mary. Jesus was 100% God because he came from heaven. God himself, but born of a woman. Jesus was 100% God so he could bear the sins of humanity. He was born of Mary, 100% human so he could own the sins of humanity. This is brilliant. Of all the things that God could have done in a world of political upheaval and war and people don't have homes and they don't know where to go and the Assyrians are, are angry and the Persians are fighting and Rome is everywhere and there's these Jewish people. What do we do? And God said, I have a great idea. I'm gonna turn myself into a baby. Did God come and say, I prepare for something huge. Something huge is going to happen. He's like, no. 500 years ago, I said, prepare for something small. Because on this smallness, the government will collapse. You know, on the smallness, I will bear power. Prepare yourself for something small. And in fact, in the book of Philippians, Paul talks about the very character of Christ, the very character of who he was as God here on earth. Because because whenever I think about God coming to earth, like that's big stuff. God coming to earth, he knows everything. He has all power. He has every superhuman strength. He can fly, you know? He could spit fireballs from his head and x-ray vision. Every X-Men combined, God is God created X-Men or the idea of X-Men and he could do it. But no, he's human, 100%, but 100% God. And Paul says this in, in Philippians 2, though he was God, he did not think of himself equally you know, with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble pers- position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. This is brilliant. This is the opposite of preparing for a big Christmas. This is the opposite of what I strive to be. This is the opposite of the things that I hunger for. Because whenever I think about how I would save the planet, whenever I think about how things could have been done, I think about God coming in on a horse, you know, and the horse has like fiery eyes. And and instead of being born in hay and with cows and shepherds, I think about God in full glory coming in with swords like twirling and a big axe, you know, it's on fire, you know, and it's like, I am coming to bring justice and hope for my people. It has been prophesied, but that did not happen. Like what would it have been like if God said, okay, I'm just going to show up in full glory and I'll tell everybody I have to die on the cross for your sins. That's like a totally different story if he would have come just as a full grown-up guy. He came as a baby. Instead of coming coming in as God in full glory, he's born as a baby. And we as people got to see him grow up. 
we got to see him be born. And we got to see him at the age of 12 in the temple. And we got to see his parents like freaking out. Where did he go? And we got to see him teaching the Pharisees and Sadducees. We got to see him be baptized. People, you know, they question him. You know, isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph? Like all his family are here. He's human. We got to see him go out into the desert and get tempted. We got to see him question things. We got to see him cry in the garden. And we got to see him teaching his disciples who were idiots, you know, being frustrated. You know, we got to see him live as man and die as God. This is brilliant. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. Because in this context of why do we have to start out small? Because it lets us see God grow up as big. It validates everything that is in the heart of God. He said, I'm not going to come in and change things. I'm going to be born into you. I'm going to be pregnant in you. I'm going to be born as you. I'm going to grow up as human. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to become incarnate. I'm just not going to come in and change everything because you should be changed. I'm going to experience the change that should happen. This is beautiful. What would it be like if we had the same perspective as God to choose to be incarnate compared to overthrow? What would it be like to approach things as a child? What would it be like to say the best, the best way for this, the best way for this, the best idea here, the best proposal for this possibly is to born our idea in some hay? What would it be like to start thinking again small instead of the bigness at hand? I still remember the day I grew up. The day I grew up happened whenever my father, he did something he should not have. And I realized for the first time, he isn't perfect. Because as a kid, I mean, I don't care who your parents are. There is a time, no matter how short, that you believe that your parents are superhuman. That they're going to provide for you that they'll take care of you, that they'll, um, they'll protect you, that they can fly, that they can do absolutely anything they want to do and you are the apple of their eye. I don't care how horrible your parents were, there was a time that you felt that. I personally felt that for a long time that my parents were flawless, that they were, that their shelter was big, all-encompassing. But I came to this age that I was shocked by how human my parents were. And, and, and then I came to a spot where I was like, oh my gosh, you and I are the same. <laughs> you aren't any better off than I am. Oh no. What happens whenever you realize that those you look up to are no better off than you? And then I came to the spot where I'm like, I could teach them things that they don't know. Oh no, 
what happens when you realize that your parents don't have all the answers. And I remember then it just started to unravel and fall apart. That was like, oh my gosh, my parents are really human. Like they fail at things. They, they can't pay for things. They fight. You know, all, where did this all come from? And it was like, my earth shattered. That happened like half an hour ago. Just kidding. Um, you know, um, but it was this, this huge reality that I came to that said, if I'm going to succeed at anything, if I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to provide, I need to provide for myself. If I'm going to be smart and intelligent, it can't come from my parents. It has to come from myself. I need to try hard to provide for myself. If I am going to have a family, I need to pursue that myself. If I'm going to be anyone, they're not going to give it to me. I need to do it for myself. And that's when I grew up, whenever I came out of the covering of the parents that I had and said, you are no better off than me. We all come to that spot and it's really terrifying. But if this is the definition of what it is to grow up, which I'm not even sure it is, but for me, it is. It's whenever I came out of the covering of my parents because I understood that we are all in this together. If this is what it is to grow up, Jesus didn't ever have to grow up. He never came to the conclusion that his father could not provide for him. He never came to the conclusion that his father could not protect him. He never came to the conclusion that his father's path was probably wrong. He never came to the conclusion that his father fails. He never came to the conclusion, if I'm going to be anyone, I have to do it by myself. He never came to the conclusion, if I'm going to provide for myself, I have to do it because my father won't. He never had to come to that conclusion. For his whole adulthood, Jesus had the heart of a child who had perfect trust, perfect understanding, and perfect awareness in who his father was. Someone who provides, someone who has a plan, someone who knows, someone who knows all, someone who makes anything possible, someone who, when bad things happen, he spews hope all over the place. Jesus knows who his father is and never has to grow out of that. In fact, all throughout his career, whenever something challenging happens, whenever he's confronted, whenever they ask, where did you get that from? Why are you doing that? Why are you thinking like that? His answer is simply, I only do what I see my father doing. He's 33 years old. I only do what I see my father doing. Don't blame me. You know, he's doing it. He's already doing it. I only say what I hear my father saying. I'm copying him. I'm copying him. I see what he's doing. I'm in tune. I I see the spirit at hand. God is doing it and I'm a part of it. What would it be like to be able to have that same answer? You know, whenever you act, whenever you do something to have that heart as a child to say, I only do it because I see God doing it and to have the confidence that you're actually seeing it. I only say it because I hear God saying it. He's doing it. He speaks and God's alive. And and I, I only do what I see my father doing. 
or how many of us have actually grown up out of our faith in God. How many of us have, have come to a spot that we believe that God isn't going to provide for us kind of anymore. He isn't as perfect you know, as we thought. So if we're going to be provided for, we have to do it ourselves. How many of us have grown up and said, if there is a path out there for me, he doesn't have it. How many of us feel like, like we had grown out of our faith in God as father, as God, as provider, protector, the, the origin of our dreams and our hope and our destiny. How many of us feel as if God has been exposed as a fraud? Because when that happens, it's earth shattering. It's heart breaking and it's untrue. And this is what Jesus invites us into when he says, come as a child, come into what I have for you. You're exhausted. You're trying too hard. Stop it. Have faith as a child. Believe as in a child. We have a father who provides, who dreams, directs, protects. Come into what I have. I only do what I see the father doing. How cool would it be to have that? In your own personal life, in your job, with your family, with your friends, with your career, with your beliefs, with your politics, with your heart, with your money, with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, what do you see the father doing? What do you see the father doing with all of those things? Because if you don't see the father doing anything in your everyday reality, your job, your wife, your husband, your kids, your dreams, your hope, your heart, your money, your house, your future, the odds are you are an old adult all grown up, dreamless, hard-hearted, yuck. Come home. Come back home. Come as a child. Come back. If you don't see your father doing anything, the gospel of Jesus is for you because your father is at work his shelter is real. His provision is good. And it's for you. What would it be like to see God ahead of you, beside you, behind you, under you, paving paths, speaking to you? What would that be like? You know, that's what I dream about. Like, like how many of us? Um, okay, so for instance, whenever I think about idea, I think about about. Moses, right? He, he's in the desert. He has this thing with God. God talks to him, you know, in the sound of thunder, you know? God talks to Moses in the sound of, of thunder, and he's always there, and he gets some food, gets some water. Hey, we're doing this today. What would that be like? And I thought, you know, oftentimes, you know, how cool it would be to go to heaven and be like, what was it like, you know, to Go to him. What was it like to have God in front of you and beside you, to the left of you, behind you, speaking in the sounds of thunder, giving you food and water? What was it like? And 
I asked that in my head and it's, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll kind of go like this. He'll say, yeah, it was awesome, but what was it like to have God in you? Oh, I kept thinking about something huge, something big, something, you know, sounds of thunder that I forget to something small. God is in you. This is the thing that separates Christianity from any other religion in the world. Any other religion in the world is that we believe that God dwells within us, that the presence of God is in us. Whenever I talked about being pregnant with God and Mary being pregnant with God, that is not far off from you today. God dwells and lives inside of you. The spirit of God is inside of you, growing, changing your insides, making it evident on the outside who you bear. What if we were pregnant with hope, pregnant with salvation, Okay, we're talking about poetically here. We're not talking, you know, you're not having babies, you know. Anyway, you know, what would that be like to fully grasp and understand the truth of the smallness that is at hand with the big implications? What would it be like to embrace this idea of the thing that grows within inside of you? To hear God for yourself to carry God by yourself, to bear the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. What would it be like? Because God chose a child to bear a child, to bring hope. What would it be like to bear the presence and the power of God? So in college, before I graduated, there's this guy who had the power glove. And he and I weren't actually friends at all, but I heard he had the power glove and I was an RA and I had a key to his room. And there was this day that he was out and I'm like, I gotta try it, you know? I gotta try the glove. And I go in his bedroom and I put on the glove and I turn on the NES and it was a piece of junk. You know, like I was trying it, it didn't do anything, it didn't work, and I was mad. And he came in, and there I am, power glove, and it doesn't work. And he laughed because he was good with the power glove. He put the power glove on. He's like, I'll show you. You got to practice this. And he was like the commercial. He was doing it, you know? He was doing it. I was like, oh my gosh, you are amazing. So often I feel, I feel like the power glove in my own hands. The power gloves that is a cheap plastic toy. But I want to be the power glove in that guy's hand who made it happen. I want to be the power glove on God's hand. I want God to fill me to control me, to move his fingers, causing big things to happen, to ripple all over. I want him to move his index finger and the bad guys drop over, you know? I want him to use me. I wanna be his hand. The thing is, is that's what it's all about. That's what we do. But it can't happen whenever you're focused on being the hand. You need to focus on being something small. 
how many of us won't ever find the X that marks the spot because we're desperately trying to find the X everywhere except under your own feet. To know the small, simple truth that God was with you the entire time. God is here. And if you accept this reality, it should blow your mind. Please pray with me. God, someone was pregnant with you. What? We thank you that you are big enough to choose small pathways, that you are big enough to choose humility, that you are big enough to become a servant, that you are big enough to become a slave, that you are big enough to be inside of us. God, we love you, we love you, we love you. Teach us how to be smaller. Teach us how to find the big things in the small things. Jesus, show us how to live as children protected, provided for, driven by our Father. Heal our hearts from, from disappointment. Heal our hearts from shattered dreams. Heal our hearts from anger. And invite us home. Jesus, we love you. You do amazing things. We invite you to do amazing things in our heart. If you are able to put yourself in a 12-year-old girl, put yourself in us. And grow within us. Teach our hearts. Grow within us. Inspire us. Teach us to dream again. Give us peace. Give us hope. Carry us on your shoulders.